right, so first question, uh, do I have some garden people in here? Like, where's my garden people at? Do I have gardens? You, yeah, we got some of you, right? Uh, now's like the pinnacle of garden season, right? Uh, you have like sweet corn, tomatoes, like cucumbers. It's like fruit season. There's, there's peaches now and apples are starting to come on. And so all your hard work uh, is paying off, right? Or if you like what I've discovered, you know, uh, my wife and I got married. We love the idea of, of having a garden. And so we, uh, you know, we, we, have a, we had a little bit of land. And so we had it all prepped. We took a chunk and got a rototiller out and just tilled it all up got it ready, bought the seeds, we bought the fruit trees, you know, and I was like, I thought that was the hard work, right? Just getting it ready in planting, right? Of the, and so, you know, in my mind, it's just like, okay, I plant these seeds, and then like in a couple months, you know, I might have to pull a few leads, then I get this big harvest, right? And you all aware that that's not reality, right? I mean, the, the hard part of a garden, right, is the, from the time from planting to the harvest, you're just trying to hold off as many weeds as possible and animals and critters just so you get something. And so we did this for a few years, and inevitably, right, we'd have a vacation, and, like, we would come back, and it's like this, it's like a, it's like a wilderness, and there's, like, plants everywhere. I can't even see what certain things are, and animals, and my chickens have already ate half of my harvest. It's like, man, this is like not, and then I just like, I go to Kroger's and there's like carrots for a dollar. And you're like, man, like what am I doing with my life? You know, like, and then because you have kids, you know, and of course they ruin about everything. And it's just like even more of that time, it's just like, how do you even do it? You know, so you get friends who have gardens, right? And that's, the point of it, right? Or you have parents who have gardens and you just get what they give you and it's awesome, all right? <laughs> but I say that because I think that's in some context how we just view our spiritual life too, right? We, we think like if I, t- like by following Jesus, if I say the prayer, if I do these things, even come to church, like it's just like plowing the ground and then, you know, I'm just good, right? Like I got everything I need and and yet we find our lives still kind of struggling with the same things. And there's a bunch of weeds and there's critters coming and trying to get what we have. And just like, wait, God, like I thought like this wasn't part of the deal. Like I thought if I give my life to you, if, if I say this prayer or, or I trusted you, Jesus, I thought like this harvest part would come easy, right? I don't know about you, but uh, I, it's not has been my experience where just trying to do life with Jesus, I feel like there's this confliction. And, and, and so for some people, it's to the point, right, where they just feel like, wait, what, is, this, is this even real? Like, when I had this moment of giving my life to Jesus, was, that, was I just fooled? Was this this reality of like, uh, or is it just fake? Like, is this thing even real? And, and people struggle with that. Or, or even if you like start looking around and you see like uh, other Christians or people who say they're a follower of Jesus and you're like, wait, this, this doesn't look like Jesus very much. Like, is this really this thing real? And, and many people get to the point of, man, is this even all this effort, all this work, is it even worth it? And, and I, I just, I've known people, I've seen people, they have these experiences with God, they get baptized, they do these things, they get super excited about Jesus, and then they have a certain expectation that just from then on, you know, uh, everything's going to be better, and then slowly they get fizzled out, and 
then they're no longer connected to Jesus. And the question I want to wrestle, all, all of us to wrestle with is just kind of asking this question of where you're at. Like, and if you're looking at a garden, you know, you try to have to assess, am, if, am I protecting it enough? Is there weeds? Do I need to till it? Is, does it need more water? And I think for all of us, this question is going to be unique to us of just where are you at with all of this? Is, are you at a point where you're just, just be honest of like, it's struggling, man, I am struggling to keep going. And, or just, man, I, I really want to grow. I really want to experience more of Jesus in my life. But I just feel like I'm kind of stuck or I'm kind of stagnant. And, uh, I, and so we're going to kind of wrestle through these things. And, and I think, I don't know if about you, for me, I've had these moments in my life. And I can remember I, I've, I've journaled, I've kept a journal for probably 12 years, and, and I have moments where I'll go back and I look at my old journals, and, and I'll look back like five years ago, and I'm like, man, I'm still struggling with some of these things. Like some of these same things keep coming, and I'm like, why? Like why hasn't God, like why has this, this is still something that I keep struggling? Why haven't I experienced freedom? And there can be this frustration with that. So what we're going to wrestle with this is this just identifying where you're at, but also, so how do we grow? Like, how do we grow in our relationship with Jesus, becoming more like him and doing what he did? How is there a path forward uh, no matter where we are at? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, or this morning. So, we're going to be in Galatians. If you have your Bibles, go to Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5. So, just to give you a quick summary, just for lack of time, I don't have a ton of time to get there. If you go back a slide or two, I want to show... Um, this table, if, if you, uh, back in July when I taught in, in Galatians 3, this was kind of the, the climax of, of the beginning part of Galatians, this idea that God's vision is this, to have one multi-ethnic family, um, and, power, and, and part of that is this inheritance uh, with the Holy Spirit, and that's through Jesus, in Messiah Jesus, it's through him, it's nothing else, it's not about earning a seat at the table. If you believe in Jesus, if you trust your life with Jesus, you have a seat at the table, and this is God's vision for this, right? And, and, and so that's Galatians 3, and in and Paul's letters, he usually introduces the letter. He has all these things, like in a theological sense, like this is what Jesus has done, and here's like some of the implications of that. He talks about more of the theological part of it. And then and inevitably in the letter, there's a turning point, and he says, because of that, then this is what I want you to do. Do you guys follow me? So, and it's very important because so often we want to do before we get the theological part, right? But no, it's the theological part. This is what Jesus has done for you. This is who you are. Here's some reasonable, or, or like where he just kind of has some arguments where he breaks some of those things down and then he shifts and says, now this is what I want you to do about it. So we've already made that switch. That happens at the beginning of five. Amber talked a little bit about that and introduced that uh, of how do we live in this freedom that Jesus has for us, okay? So we're gonna read here in verse uh, 13. Says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
I'll pause here. This is kind of where Amber started off last week, and, and then she would continue on in the series, and she would talk about these two circles I would put up here, right? And talk about just the works of the, the flesh or the works of the sinful nature. And there's, Paul would list 15 of those. And, and the works of the flesh, these are these external evidences of things made from the flesh and the sinful nature. The brokenness of the world, the brokenness of us. And, and Paul specifically uses that word works, all right? This is the result of this flesh and sinful nature. And so this kind of goes back to Genesis 1. All things are created good. Um, and then Genesis 3 happens, and that good gets corrupted. It gets broken, all right? And part of that is us. We're in this flesh, the sinful nature, and the evidence of that, it's, it, Paul says it's obvious when we live out of that nature, there's these things that happen, and uh, he lists 15 of those, all right? But there's, he's, Paul introduces this, now because of what Jesus has done, this idea of the age to come, or the kingdom of God, or what we think of heaven, the message of Jesus is that realm has broken into the present age, right? It's not, hey, give your life to Jesus, this life on earth, one day when you die, who returns, like then you go to heaven and experience the kingdom of God. Like, okay, that's partially true, but Jesus' main message was the kingdom of God, I'm, I'm ushering the kingdom of God into this realm, into this present age, and to this flesh and sinful nature, right? You guys getting me. If, you, if, you, if that confuses you, Google Heaven and Earth Bible Project. There's a six-minute video. explains it so well. All right? I don't have time for it, but it's just, I think it's super important that we have this kingdom uh, idea because the reality is the things of the kingdom of God are available to us in the here and now. And that's, what, that's, that's Paul's message for us, is he wants us to know there's, there's another realm we can live out of and let the Holy Spirit guide you. And there's going to be some evidences of that And he's going to talk about this, all right? So here we are. You guys with me? Follow me to verse 22. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. All right. So back to the circles Flesh, sinful nature, evidence of that, a result of that is works. Paul specifically uses the word fruit, and he lists nine of those things. All right? It's good to, me, to know that it's not fruits of the Spirit, right? It's fruit. It's a singular uh, thing. It's, it's like an orange with nine slices. You guys follow me? All right? Sometimes we think about these, and we try to separate them. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the reality is Paul could have used the same word as works, right? It's this result could have said the same thing. The result of the Holy Spirit are these nine fruits. But what he is saying is he specifically uses the word fruit. And I think it's, it's, it's important for us to think about um, how we experience the growth to experience more fruit in our life. And I think the first, there's, there's two main reasons, and, uh, and then I'll get there. So the first one is this. I think it's a clear pointing back to the, to the words of Jesus right before his crucifixion. Like to the, to the final words he would say to his disciples. He says this um, in John 15, 5 and 8. He says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Same word. For apart from me you can do nothing. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Paul is almost pointing back to this, this message that Jesus gave his final disciples. This is what I have of you. If you are my disciples, if you are my followers, if you are my apprentices, you're going to experience fruit. But there's a key in, in, in this. It's, it, that fruit doesn't come from following a bunch of list of rules. It doesn't come from just something I, like you do in yourself, right? It comes from what? Being connected to Jesus, remaining in him. And he's real, Jesus is really clear for what? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. I don't know about you. I need this like reminder like every day. As I think about my life, I, I so often just try to do everything the best of my ability. And just just do, do, do. And, and this is something that I feel like Jesus has to tell me like every week. Johnny, apart from me, you can do nothing. Johnny, apart from me, you can do nothing. Johnny, apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and this is this reality, this fruit, this thing we want in our life we cannot produce on our own. Apart from Jesus, and again, Paul's doing this, apart from the Holy Spirit, that it's just not possible. And I think, too, that's just really mindful of, like, I think this is good news, to be honest, right? Because it's not all on you. Like, just fix yourself, right? Like, why don't you be better? Like, just, just, we could have read this, right? Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Go do that, right? And let's pray and let's get out of here, right? Let's go to the buffet. But no, Jesus is, but this, this point, Paul's pointing this back and saying, you cannot produce this fruit on your own. This is the good news. Like, you don't have to do this. Like, this is something you do in me. And that word uh, remain actually means to stay present to Jesus. And it also has this other connotation that says, uh, just make sure Jesus, stay pre- Jesus stays present to you. Like, see to it that Jesus stays present to you. And that's what he's saying at. So again, fruit is something you cannot produce on your own. I think the second reason Paul uses the word fruit is because I want us, he wants us to think like agriculturally. He wants us to have this image of fruit. How many like fruit? Like everyone, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't like at least one fruit, right? Like he wants us to see this image of fruit, of that this is something that is good. This is something we want. This is something that's desirable. I'm going to read these real quickly. Uh, this comes from a, de- a devotional out of the... Um, the Bible app, if you just search Fruits of the Spirit, um, you can go through this. But I'm going to go through each of these ones. And, and there's, it's not an accent that the first one is love, right? Serve one another in love, Paul mentioned earlier. But love is the selfless, giving, devoted love of God and others. It's an active display. It's action and compels us to put others' needs above our own. Joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul that no circumstance, event, or human can steal away from us. It's a delighting in God and choosing to rejoice in all things. Peace is a deep well of confidence that God is who he is and he will do what he says he will do. Peace comes from resting in the promises of God. It's choosing to work with others for a common goal instead of insisting on our own way. Patience is exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. It's showing empathy toward others when they are not doing things to our, stand, to our standard. Oof. Kids, right? Um, oof. All right, keep going. Kindness is being genuinely kind to anyone and everyone. It assumes that all people deserve kindness, 
no matter the differences, viewpoints, or cultures. Oof. Goodness is truly desiring to help others. It doesn't approach or entertain sin. Goodness does the right thing and challenges other people to do the same, even if the conversation is uncomfortable. Faithfulness is being dependable in our relationship with God and others. It's being reliable in a world that isn't. It's stability in the life of others. Gentleness is allowing God to deal with others so that we don't have to take matters into our own hands. It's been said that gentleness is the grace of the soul. It includes being calm and serene and tranquil. Self-control is being able to keep oneself in check. It's not letting our circumstances cause us to lose control. Self-control exhibits moderation, temperance, and discipline. It's choosing under significant pressure to chase after the important instead of the urgent. That's the fruit. Isn't that stuff that you want in your life and in your relationships, in your marriages, and in how you parent your kids? Isn't that like this fruit that is desirable? And I think the point in this, I don't know if you noticed over and over again, that you heard me say, with others, with others, with others. Again, Fruit is, is this outward facing. If you look back to the circles and the works of the, the flesh, these are all inward, right? And you're willing to use people, right, to just fulfill your desires and your thing, like whatever you want. But fruit of the Spirit is this outward facing. It benefits others. And if you're going to have this table, right, of this multi-ethnic, you're going to have to have this fruit in order to experience this unity, Right? Because this unity, this cross-cultural, multi-generational, like this is a sign right, that heaven has invaded earth. That welcoming all kinds of people into the single faith family is the practical outward gift by which Jesus' followers give to one another. And even something like joy. like You can experience these in the private, but doesn't it long to be shared and multiplied? Right? You just want to share those things. Just like a garden, right? If you get that produce that you worked hard for, don't you just want to share it? Like, just give to people so they could taste this. So, the big question is, how does this happen? We're going to go to verse 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So we see this two-part thing of of being crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ clears the ground for the genuine new humanity to emerge. Right? It's not this self-help, self-improvement, just get a little better, right? What the cross allows us to do is to experience the new humanity, this thing that God desires for us, that freedom for us to live in, in, in life with the Holy Spirit, or the life of the kingdom of God. But at the same time, this um, doesn't ha- by, happen by accident. So I, my version says this, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The actual translation is to, says keep in line, or some of your verses may, or some of your versions may keep in step with the Spirit. And the reality is fruit doesn't happen by accident. We have a role to play too, right? For anybody who gardens, you know that, right? We have, you have a part to play. You cannot produce the fruit on your own. Like, you don't have the ability to photosynthesis 
and, and send rain and like have the DNA of the seeds that you create in your lab. Like you cannot do that on your own. But anybody who knows a garden knows that you have a role to play to make it happen. And that role is just cultivating a space, right, that, would, that doesn't prevent anything from making that plant grow. You, you, you need to till and remove the weeds so that plant can have the freedom to grow. You, you set up boundaries and protection because you don't want anything to come and steal and, 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 and take from, from those plants or the produce that comes. You create an environment, right, that allows the growth and it allows the transformation to happen. And that's just like Paul wants us to say, you are gardeners of your transformation. Like you, fruit doesn't happen by accident. Like you have a role to play. You partner with the Holy Spirit. And that role is to continually to cultivate an environment where the Holy Spirit can do his work in you and through you. You guys follow me? Does that make sense? This is our role. We play a part. So really quickly, what does that look like? I think Amber did a great job introducing this idea of doing practices or doing things in your effort in order to make that um, an environment where the Holy Spirit moves. All right, she talked about getting away, having silence and solitude, something that we just, we usually think of just Bible reading and just pray and just do those things, but just being more creative in that. Dallas Willard says this, um, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. So we have a part to play. We do this. And so what I'm introduce you today is a thing called a rule of life. And so some of you may have that when you sat on your chair. If you didn't, uh, Cassie's in the back. She's going to walk around um, with some extras and pins, or if you see some on the front. Uh, I'm going to introduce this idea of a rule of life, right? It's, it's, it's school starting. I'm going to make you guys do some homework, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, like, go check it, all right? But this is just a tool, all right? So what's a rule of life? It's something that even this started back uh, in the monastic community about, like, third century. It got popular about 15, uh, 1,500 years ago um, with uh, St. Benedict, all right? So this is something that Christians have actually done for a long time. Rule, we don't like that word, but it actually just comes from the Latin word trellis. You guys know what a trellis is? Like a trellis holds up a vine in a vineyard. It's the wooden things that keep the fruit uh, above the ground so it can grow. And so this is just, think of it like a trellis. It's a support structure to organize our lives around abiding in the vine. a pastor um, and teacher, John Mark Comer, he's an author as well. He, he has a great resource when it comes to the rule of life. So I've kind of stole this thing from him. I'm going to put these uh, on the screen here where he kind of talks about this. Because again, some of us might think this is like legalism of trying to do more, to do more. Again, it's just creating a structure. It's invitational, right? It's, it's doing something in your effort that you can't do in your own, right, to allow the Holy Spirit to work. So rule of life is a schedule and set of practices and relational rhythms that help us create space in our busy world, right, for us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and do what Jesus did, to live to the full in his kingdom in alignment with our deepest passions and priorities. It's been said that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values, 
A rule of life is a simple tool to that end. Rather than a rigid, legalistic to-do list, it's a life-giving structure for freedom, growth, and joy. Okay, and so I I chose three specific areas. Because I don't know about you, uh, busyness is like something we probably all struggle with right? Just always on the go. I know for me a few years ago, it was like getting to the point where I was just doing and doing and doing. And it was like, I felt like the Lord just gave me this warning, Johnny, you cannot continue this. You will burn out. If it's all about doing, we, we, and I think as a church, sometimes we tend to focus on doing. Um, we don't rest well and we don't do relationships well. And so I just use these three things. These are the end goal. We want to be having these rhythms and practices that cultivate abiding, rest, and relationships. All right? So if you're like me, like, I want to fill in every box and, like, do it all. And then I fail, and then I get frustrated, and then, like, I don't do it. So this, like, this is something you start small with, right? You make it achievable, you're, you're basically, we're just building off what Amber did last week. If you, it's silence and solitude. Just taking five minutes, ten minutes. Turn your cell phone off, right? Just be with Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to come. Just cultivating that practice in your life. For me, rest, like, is something we have to cultivate in my family. So one of the ways we do that is just Sabbath. We stop. We, from Friday night to Saturday night, we just are together. We have no to-do list. The goal is just to be together, to be present with one another, and um, to have fun, all right? Um, And then relationships. What are you doing strategically to cultivate those relationships in your life? The marriages, um, you know, the parenthood. Like, so, just, you know, for my wife and I, we've just had this idea of, like, at least quarterly, we want to do a getaway together. And, And we've just been, even this last week, we've just been looking at our schedules, and it's like, where can we fit this in? You know, and I'm like, I have one kid playing soccer. And it's like, man, it's like, but we've just had to say, all right, we have to make this happen, right? We have to schedule. Everything else just feels like life just pulls and takes us where it wants to. This is a way to say, no, I'm going to take control of my life. This is what I'm I'm going, and everything else has to go in line with that. You guys follow me? This is just all that it is. This is just invitational. Again, I'm not going to check in homework. Again, God doesn't love you any more or less whether you do this, right? This is just a way to be strategic and intentional, again, to be partnering with the Holy Spirit. But my challenge for you, if it's not this, then what is it? All right? Do you guys know what I mean? Like, you got to have a plan. Like, this is something you don't naturally just do. I don't naturally just wake up sometimes and just be like, I want to spend 30 minutes reading Scripture. Like, sometimes I, 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 it's getting better, because as I've done it, I realize the fruit in my life. But there are definitely moments where I don't feel it. But again, it's, if I have a plan, if like, this is what I'm doing, it's something I've built in me that I'm going to be creating these environments. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite Julia up. We're going to play some music. And the first question there is what breakthrough you want to see? What transformation in your life? I'm going to ask you to just ask the Holy Spirit, where do you want to experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Again, it's kind of answering that question of where are you at? Where are you at? Where do you want to see the work of the Holy Spirit happen in your life? And I just want you to journal a few of those things, all right? And then as those things are done, then I want you just, if this is new, maybe just pick a couple things of practices that'll, that'll help cultivate that breakthrough you want in your life. 
broken. This is just a means to an end of doing life with the Holy Spirit. So do that, and then we'll come together, and uh, I'll give a few words, and then we'll dismiss.